I've got to hurry up and get this show recorded and uploaded because I have to get up at four o'clock in the morning. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever it is you decided to make Big Sky Sports Talk a part of your day. My family and I greatly appreciate it. You have found the only podcast in the world completely devoted to the coverage of the four major franchises of one major market, and that's Phoenix, Arizona. We do it a little bit differently. We do it from Big Sky Country, Billings, Montana. We cover ASU football and ASU basketball to go along with it, and all presented by the unofficial presenting sponsor of Mooyah Billings. Yeah, it's uh, it's the weekend. It's a Saturday edition of the Big Sky Sports Talk um, podcast, the the show. And I hope you had a uh, a good Thursday and a good Friday. I did not have a show yesterday. It's kind of been the norm of late, where I will uh, record Monday and. Basically, it's a Tuesday show, record Tuesday and it's Wednesday, and then record Wednesday and it's Thursday, but I don't do anything Thursday for a Friday show, and record uh, Friday for a Saturday. It's kind of what's uh, what's been going on. Um, would have started a lot earlier, but um, I worked a, a little bit later um, last night. Um, till eight, so a new record, three hours of of overtime, time and a half. So I'm I'm uh, pretty jacked up about that. Uh, but four o'clock in the morning comes early for a five o'clock in the morning start. So I you gotta get this uh, the show recorded and and uh, and done. Um. And it is now uh, 9.40 on a Friday. So, uh, gotta, like I said, got to get it done. Um, other than that, I, Friday was good. Thursday was good. I was off uh, Thursday and, like I said, worked a little bit of a longer shift uh, uh, yesterday. Um, and hopefully you guys uh, had, a, had a good couple of days and, uh, your weekend is is uh, the way it uh, it needs to be, the way you want it to be, and um, and all is well. Um, let's see, what else did I have to uh, get to? I don't I don't think I have anything. Like I said, I just try to try to get this thing going. Um, but uh, as far as the the uh, show goes we have um the fourth and final game against the the Mets to talk about and that and that's courtesy of dbacks.com um we have uh, azcardinals.com gives us uh Buda Baker, Jonathan Ledbetter, Zach Pascal, uh Kajir White and then um yesterday um, Jonathan Gannon spoke to the media real briefly. Um, and then from Arizona Sports, their YouTube page, um, a uh, conversation, uh, um, or m- more conversation about uh, the home field advantage and, and just kind of how Jonathan Gannon views it. 
Um, that that uh, we'll get into that um, via Arizona Sports, and then um, the continued disrespect to the Cardinals, uh, though some of it has been brought upon them. But when you talk about you know just on the field. Um, you know, yeah, they lost, but they they played a lot better, at least defensively than expected. So uh, we'll talk about that, and then um, just kind of preview uh, the game. And um, Wolf and Luke uh, helps us do that um, uh, for a couple of minutes. So preview uh, Sunday's game, and uh, like I said, that's the uh, sound credits dbacks.com, azcardinals.com. And then the YouTube page for Arizona Sports um, is is everything that we have. We will go ahead and uh, get into some Diamondbacks, and we'll start with that. Um, and unfortunately, it was another loss. D-backs lose series three to one, and uh, we'll talk about that all next on Big Sky Sports Talk. Muya Burgers, Fries, Shakes, and Billings is the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. There are several Muya locations throughout the United States and a couple of locations internationally. Let's start out with the food. The burgers are fantastic. They have burgers for every lifestyle, vegan, keto, low-calorie, as well as gluten-free. My personal favorite is the Cheddar Bacon Barbecue Burger. Their fries are always fresh, and don't forget about the Muya sauce. You can get a shake to go along with it. Though the food is good, I always leave satisfied, but their customer service is at the top. Rico, he's the general manager of Muya Billings. He and his staff are top-notch. They are located at 2695 King Avenue West in Billings, Montana. So go see my guy Rico. He'll hook you up. And tell him I sent you. Muya Billings, the unofficial presenting sponsor of Big Sky Sports Talk. Cardinals uh, will be at home. It's the home opener against the the Giants. And so there, there's a lot uh, going on um, with that. Um, yesterday, or excuse me, not yesterday, Thursday... Uh, Buda Baker, Jonathan Ledbetter, Zach Pascal, Kaiser White all spoke to the media. And so we'll, we'll uh, start it off with Buda Baker. What did you get out of that first game in terms of what you were expecting to see from your team, what you hope to see more of from your team? Like, kind of how are you judging after one game? Yeah, I mean, I saw a team that fight, you know, uh, that fought real hard, um, a team that was very physical. Um, you know, just, you know, little intricate details we could have done better. Um, but overall, you know, I saw a team that wanted to win and a team that, that fought hard. And, um, yeah, that, that one slipped away from us, of course. But, you know, that's what uh, we live and we learn and on to the next week. The hit that Kaiser had, I think the second series, he got a personal foul. Obviously, you don't want to penalty in that situation, but that – Kind of set the tone, energize the defense a little bit. Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, Kaiser's a big hitter. You know, we, we love the way he play. Um, he plays the game. And, uh, you know, we, we were already very excited for that game, very excited for the week, uh, week one, of course. 
a um, lot of energy in there. And uh, we just definitely wanted to win. And that was just a play for him that, like like you kind of said, it kind of did, uh, you know, let everybody know who he was. And, um, you know, he was maybe a step out of bounds. So, of course, we got that penalty. But, um, you know, we've definitely learned from that and we'll get better from that. Is that for a defensive player? Knowing that you're out there, obviously full speed, but those sometimes those things just happen so quickly. How fine a line is that to not get those? Yeah, of course. You know, we, we you know we're we're taught. You know, uh, he gets close to that sideline. You know, we gotta kind of ease up a little bit. Um, you know. These quarterbacks are very good, though, because sometimes you might think they're going out of bounds and they they stay in bounds and try to get an extra two, three, four yards. So it's very hard for a defensive player to, you know, kind of understand that. But we know this, you know, it's kind of an offensive league, so we just got to be smarter in those aspects. And uh, yeah. What's it gonna be like? I know there was emotions at the end of uh, August when Isaiah got traded. What's that gonna be like seeing him in another uniform? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that's a little bro, of course. Um, you know, uh, you know, he he's not really a te- a teammate of ours uh, this week, so of course, you know, it, it won't really be much of anything until after the game. So, uh, you know, love him. Um, you know, at the end of the day, he he's a giant, and that's who we're going against. So, um, you know, won't be much words until after the game. What part of what part of Saquon's style game do you like appreciate the most uh the way you know he he, he's very good at uh hitting that hole and uh you know making moves off of whoever it is um down very downhill runner um a guy who can make all the cuts they can also throw they like to throw him the ball as well so and you know all down every down back um you know one of the great backs in this league and a guy that of course we're going to be heavily dialed into in the game how much can you take from a team when things went the way they did for them Sunday night? How do you just avoid the score, but just looking and evaluating what they have on offense? Yeah, I mean, like you said it perfectly, we're looking and evaluating what they have on offense, of course, looking at last year's film, um, you know, looking at this year's film as well, um, kind of just seeing, you know, what positions they like certain players at and, um, you know, whether that's first down, second down, or third down. So just understanding the, the different type of concepts that they like. And, um, you know, like you said, that, that game kind of got away from them early. So it was kind of hard to, um, you know, play the game for them because they were down, you know, pretty fast 14-0. So, um, you know, they kind of possibly had to pass more and, you know, uh, couldn't rely as much on the run as they they wanted to. So, of course, we understand that. And, you know, when you have a great back like Saquon, you know that's going to be the way they start the game, trying to, uh, you know, get him involved. And, uh, you know, that's going to be our job to stop the run. He described the pass rushes. Dogs. How would you describe your unit, the defensive secondary? Say that one more time. Dennis Gardak described his pass rush unit as dogs. How would you describe you guys in the secondary? Yeah, I mean, you know, we. I like to always think of all of us as dogs. You know, all of us are going to, um, you know, especially on, you know, the defensive back score, uh, not, not, you know, let up explosives, a team that's going to run to the ball, uh, DBs that are going to hit. Um, you can't just get in those condensed formations to have the corners tackle because cap- tackles are going to come down or the corners are going to come downhill and try to, you know, hit that outside thigh board. So um, just a very physical team that, that 
you know, knows exactly what to do each and every play. That's that's kind of who I want, you know, of course, the team to be, but our defense to be especially. You guys obviously played a couple preseason games at home, but what, what does it mean to play the first home game where it means something? I'm sure the crowd will be different than a preseason game. Yeah. So what, how do you go into the game looking at this and playing at home? Yeah, man, it, it means so much, um, you know, for us players to have the fans there cheering us on and to, uh, you know, on defense to, to have the stadium as loud as possible because, of course, that's going to, you know, be hard for the other team to, um, you know, to hear their calls and to hear their little things that they, they like to call within the, the huddle or pre-snap. So it means a lot for us, especially me, to see those fans out there yelling, uh, screaming, having a good time. And, uh, you know, our goal is to, of course, win. We know we haven't really done that, you know, these past few years. And, um, you know, we're not trying to lose. We're trying to win. So it's a matter of us um, just continuing to take it one day at a time, one week at a time. But uh, like you said, it's, it's great to have all the card fans there. So hopefully we can pack the house up um, week one or week one at home, you know. So, uh, you know, if you guys have a job on Sunday, just let me know, message me, fans. You know, I'll try and get you get you the off day. And, uh, you know, let's have a good time. You know, and let's, uh, most importantly, let's get a W. Along, along the lines with those struggles, <laughs> along those lines with those struggles you've had with all the new players, has there been discussion when you guys tell, you know, mentioning that or did you just not, not, not really deal with that? Yeah. I mean, it's a new team, new players, new coaches. Um, you know, a lot of young guys, a lot of guys who are who play the game the right way, who are uh, uh, true professionals. And you know, that's something that, of course, we don't really talk about. But the the main objective is to win at home, and that's what we always, um, you know, we always talk about winning at home. And this is going to be the first chance we get to have that opportunity to win at home. So it's going to be very special for us. Um, yeah. Throughout Dennis Gardeck's day, just from his journey from special teams ace to where he is, is there anything that stands out? Oh man, the work he put in each and every week, each and every day. Um, even on special teams, he was still getting coached by, you know, Chandler and you know uh, guys who who you know had a lot of sacks in this league. And he watched a lot of film, and he's you know you can tell he works his craft each and every day, each and every uh, week, and especially in the off season. Um, you can tell he works his craft, and I mean, between you and I, he, he's had that for a while. He just hasn't really been put in those positions to play defense. He was more of a special teams ace, but you know now he has that ability to uh, you know play more defense, and you guys are seeing it now. But you know, for me personally, I, I've seen it for a few years, so I'm very excited for Dennis. Hope he continues to do it. You know, he's able to do because he can because he puts you know so much work into it. And uh, you know he's just enjoying the fruits of his of his you know hard work. Kayvon, how did Kayvon fit? Yeah, Kayvon fits great. You know he's a great um, great player, very smart guy, communicates um, to a T, um, and someone that I I can very appreciate because of course you know he's at safety with me. So just having us to have that you know comfortable um, you know ability to, to talk and conversate before the play pre-snap uh, definitely helps me out, helps him out as well, and helps us all play fast. So um, he's going to continue to play at a high level and, uh, you know, just very excited for another opportunity to, to step on the field. Josh, uh, 
talked about seeing a night and day improvement from last Wednesday to this Wednesday from a defensive side of things. Have you noticed the offense kind of taking that next step? Yeah, for sure. You know, offenses, they've been doing great. Um, had a great week of practice. Of course, great day of practice today. Um, and, you know, we're all going to continue to work hard and um, continue to be in our books to understand, you know, uh, what plays we have first and foremost, but also what the offense or defense is trying to do to us. So, uh, yeah. Buda Baker, he wants the crowd there. So much so that he said, I will do whatever I can to get you out of work if you're working. And um, I don't know what he can do if he's able to do anything, but if you uh, uh, live in the in the valley and you're working, but you want to go to the game, contact Buda Baker. S send him a tweet or X him, whatever you want to say, and uh, get to the game because uh, he wants you there. They need you there, and uh, then you know, they need a, uh, the support to get a win, and that that would be a, a big deal, a big, big deal. Uh, Jonathan Ledbetter in front of his uh, locker uh, spoke to the media real briefly, so there, this is uh, what he had to say. Uh, man, ZP got these for everybody, man. We just kind of want to instill that culture of, you know, dog mentality. Um, no matter what's going through, you know, dogs always going to fight. You know, I'm a Georgia Bulldog, so I love it. I love the idea. Um, we're just trying to build that culture around here that we some fighters. We're aggressive. Um, you know, we play gritty and tough. That's what we are. Who got you those again? Uh, ZP, Zach. Zach. Yeah. And, I mean, it seems like everybody has them, right? Oh, yeah, offense, defense, special teams, man. Uh, we all want to be dogs. And like you said, that mentality of, you know, always hunting. You know, it's either kill or be killed. And, you know, we got to continue to do that and, you know, do things as a team to get better and continue to hunt. How nice did it go about that you guys had last week? Uh, man, every game uh, you want to be better than you were the game before. And, um, you know, we came up short. And, um, I think everybody was disappointed. Um, offense, defense, special teams, like I said. Um, so, you know, we got to come back. We came back on Monday. We decided, you know, come back and just put the work in and take it day by day and um, let it all come together. So um, just a good opportunity to go be better than you were yesterday. Uh, man, you know I'm going to go DG. That's my dog, man. You know, he, he was able to get a turnover. Um, that spin was nasty. And uh, Cam was able to pick it up and, you know, score a touchdown on defense. And uh, that's how we win football games. Uh, that's what we want to do. We want to be a defense that does that every game. So that's our goal. And then what do you see from the Giants? Um, I, mean, I think they had a tough game last time. They're still a good football team. Um, they were still, you know, able to move the ball. They had some bad turnovers. Um, you know, throughout the game. But um, like I said, they're going to come in here and be hungry. So we got to respond and continue to, you know, build off of what we did. And it's not really about them. Um, we got a damn good football team as well. So we just got to focus on what we need to do, put it together, and, and go play some football on Sunday. What makes Saquon just so tough to go against? <sighs> Man, he's a great back. Um, he runs through contact. Um, we've been talking about it all week. You know, we got to limit his dirty yards. And um, he's just a tough runner. He's got big quads. <laughs> they call him Saquon. So, you know, just. Being able to limit his carries and get him on the ground and stuff like that, man, um, as a defense, running and tackling and hitting and uh, attacking the football. And then what, how much would it mean just to get that win at home in front of the, you know, That's the first one, man. It's the first one. You always got to protect the nest. Um, you know, we're 
we want that win. We're hungry for it. You know, like I said, we came up short last game, so you know it's a new week, new goals, new opportunities. So we're looking forward to it. You guys showed a lot, game, but to get that win, would it kind of validate just kind of what you guys are working to? Uh, I mean, absolutely, man. You know, everything's not going to be perfect, but every week you go into the week, you know, you want to get a win. Um, it's, it's a hard football season. It's hard to win in the NFL. So when you get one, it's important um, and it's special. So we want to go out there and get the first one, obviously at home for not only our team but for our fans as well. Short, quick, and to the point as uh, Ledbetter, um, Zach Pascal uh, in front of his locker. Just because real quick, it's Jonathan spilled the beans. Understand, you're the guy behind the, oh, yeah. the dog hoodies. And- yeah, a uh, little dog mentality hoodies. Well, let me show you, man. Get y'all right. Dog mentality hoodies. Got the whole team. So um, just trying to bring a different culture over here. Um, you know. And gave something to all the guys, all the coaches, the whole staff, everybody. Who brought the idea? Yeah, previous teams I had, I had uh, passed out a lot of dog culture. It's actually going through through the league uh, a lot now. A lot of guys been hitting up the uh, company trying to trying to get some hoodies and stuff. What's the message? Um, basically, for it's it's different messages. Um, it started off with a guy who had uh, his name Mike. He had cancer. He battled it a couple times, beat it. Um, but basically, for me. Dog culture is a mentality, um, facing adversity, no matter what in life, whatever, whatever pops up, face it, uh, handle it face on, um, don't cry about it, um, and it'll make you better. Whatever it is, just be a dog in it, and it'll make you better. Is Mike like a friend of yours? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How cool is it to see, I guess, all your teammates around that years later, it's still kind of It's love, man. It's love. And it just shows that, you know, um, you can change someone's uh, mood. You can change someone's life just by, you know, handing out a piece of clothing and, and explaining the mentality behind the clothes. You know what I'm saying? So, it's love. So Josh, Josh talked about this offense taking a big leap, big jump, right, in week two. Where, what's realistic? Where, where do you think you guys can get better? Um, execution. Um, from pre-snap to post-snap, just execution. Coming in and out of the huddle fast, lining up in our right formations and executing the plays that's called like to a T. Um, Got to be a lot more detailed and continuing to get better each and every day. If we ain't getting better, then we just going to be the same. Close? I'm sorry? Close to hitting where you guys want to be like offensively? Um, I wouldn't say close, but we got a long season. Um, who knows Who knows how lethal you know this offense could be when we get really detailed. So that's what we're working on now. Two weeks with a quarterback. What's the challenge for a receiver? Just trying to get everything in sync. Well, I feel like we all know the challenge. The challenge is trying to, you know, get the the time and the rhythm. But I feel like we got a lot of hoopers. We got a lot of ball. Not hoopers. Let me say ballers. <laughs> we got a lot of ballers in here, so we'll make it work um, just like normal NFL players. And how has practice been for you guys just this week after that loss? I'm sorry. How has practice been for you guys this week after that loss? Just energy out there. Oh, we've been at it. We've been at it. Um, the energy's up there. You could tell, like, you know, it, like we're not going to let that last loss affect us too bad. Even though it was a terrible loss, I feel like we should have got the dub. But we're not going to, you know, dwell on it too much. We're on the next one. We got New York this week. Um, tough opponent coming in. And that's that's the main focus. We're ready to get after it. Pretty cool that uh, Zach Pascal is uh, really trying to uh, continue to do what he can to change the uh, culture for the Arizona Cardinals by getting everybody um, 
dog mentality sweatshirts from you know the staff, the coaching, the the players, everybody sweatshirts, and just you know I I think that's something small like that it is a is a big deal. So hopefully it it will continue to uh, evolve into more uh, than that. You know, just kind of team chemistry as a whole. Um, you know, not just on on game day in the locker room, but just outside of all of that is a big deal. And, and team building like that is is uh, just as important as any other a- aspect of the game, I, I think. Um, so that, that's a big deal. Uh, last person that spoke uh, to the media on uh, Thursday was uh, Kaiser White. And uh, so we'll listen in on what he had to say. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, the fine ain't good. To, yeah, I mean, if I could take it back, I would. But I was just trying to make a play. How about the way just the defense the time? Yeah, I feel like the uh, defense was playing real fast, real physical. You know, eleven men to the ball. So you know, I feel like that was good to put on film. Yeah, uh, you know, can't overlook them just because they got. You know, B40, 40 they got a lot of uh, electric guys on that side of the ball offensively. And, uh, you know, they was a playoff team last year for a reason. So, you know, definitely can't take them light. Do you have a favorite sack Sunday? Oh, uh, yeah, DG. Because he started hitting his dance. Yeah, so. Yeah, so he underrated. How is it going to be being back in the building when everything counts? How, what would you say? How is it going to be being back in the building when when everything counts? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's always good. You know, we're playing real football now. You know, preseason out the way. You know, every game matters, like you said. So, you know, it's exciting. We just cut Ennis when you say he's underrated. Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because nobody really know about him, but, you know, special teams. He can go out there and play edge rusher, drop back in coverage. You know, he a good football player in general, just not a special teams guy. Did you know much about him? No, nah, I didn't know. I didn't know about him. That's why I'm saying that. He underrated, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Undrafted guy, you know, six years in the league, so for sure. A lot of your teammates said that even though you guys got penalized on your hit, that it lifted the defense and energized them. When you were out there, did you feel that? Yeah, I definitely felt that. Definitely felt the energy shift. Um, so, yeah, you know, we're going to come out this week and try to do the same thing, just play with a lot of energy, and uh, hopefully, you know, good things happen for us. How hard is it when you're trying to be aggressive in that situation to know when to hold back a little bit? I mean, it's just hard. You know, you make a good tackle. If you're head in it, it's penalty. You know what I mean? It's like you got to think before you tackle now. So it kind of handicapped you a little bit. But, you know, just got to work through it. You guys are bringing different waves of pass rushers and their different body types. So the Saban versus Gardak versus mm-hmm. the Coach Lark. How difficult do you think that is for an offensive line? Is that an extra challenge in there? Oh, yeah, for sure. It's like a, a change-up pitch, you know? We ain't going to keep doing the same thing over and over. We're going to switch it up, show you different looks. So I feel like, you know, that benefits us as a defense. Anything you guys are sort of stressing this week to clean up from week one? Anything you didn't like from week one? Um, you know, you can always be better and be more technically sound. Um, you know, everybody going to go out there and make mistakes, but the more we can minimize that, the better we're going to be. You got to see. I ain't going to get none away. Yeah, but you got to see, yeah. It's been a while since the Cardinals have won at home. Just how big is it just to show up for the fans? Oh, yeah, it's big for sure. Definitely want to come out there, home opener, come out with a W for sure.
How well do you know these guys? Like Washington, yeah, right? I, play, I mean, yeah, yeah, I know them well, yeah. Team, from right? last year, played them three times. And then I played them a, the, the year before that when I was in L.A. So, yeah, I know them pretty well. So how much do you talk? Just based on that familiarity. Are you oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to talk. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. for sure, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I talk, yeah, I talk, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that was because uh, you're white. Um, a lot of uh, praise given to uh, Dennis Gardeck, the you know, because you're white, and um, I can't remember who else, but uh, oh, Zach Pascal, both you know, mentioned DG. Well, that's did not that's not Dollar General. That's uh, Dennis Gardeck. Um, and just a lot of mad respect for, for him, you know, from, from players and, and, uh, like I said, he's, he's one of my favorite players and, um, it's, it's good stuff. Um, yesterday, uh, Jonathan Gannon spoke to the media ahead of, uh, uh, Sunday's matchup. And so real quickly, this is, uh, uh, some of what he had to, uh, say. Well, how was the week of practice? Good, good. They're excited, ready to go. We uh, big day today, big day tomorrow. Put the uh, you know final kind of touches on the game plan and keep educating them, execution, and uh, go out and let it rip on Sunday. Is there any, ever any difference how you approach a home game versus a road game? Just the logistics. Joshua said Wednesday that he fell from last Wednesday to this Wednesday. For him, it was like night and day. Did you see the same thing? Yeah, he had a good week of practice. He's ready to go. We got a big day today, like I said. But um, <clears throat> I thought that uh, he, he practiced extremely well. Is Kelvin going to be ready? Say it again. Uh, we'll see. Kind of working through that still. What happened to him? Uh, nicked his hand. Coach, I know it's always important to get off to a fast start. But when you consider this particular situation, you're at home, it's one top fans. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> you're looking to, um, you know, the, the fast start thing. It's, every game's a little bit different. You know what I mean? You'd love to go out and score a touchdown and go three and out on defense. Doesn't always happen. What you want is is execution is at a premium um, throughout the whole game, but especially early. And early, you see a lot of times why. You know, sometimes it goes your way or the other way. It typically is comes down to execution, and with a lot of um, things that might you might not have practiced, might not have prepared, not prepared for, but you know, they might have some wrinkles in, and you got to see how they're kind of playing and things like that. But I uh, feel good about our guys understanding the plan, executing the plan. What's your philosophy with the coin toss? Will you always, if you win, will you always game by game? Um. Who you're playing, who you have playing, weather, um, momentum, um, first 15, both sides, a lot. Josh, Josh said the other day how he kind of was looking forward to being able to play quarterback in an indoor stadium. Um, I'm curious as a coach, like you, you've been in Indianapolis and in Minnesota, you've been in Philadelphia. Do you have a preference where you have no I, <clears throat> and obviously I know why he said that you know what I mean the sun's not in your eyes the wind the rain you know all that stuff so I'm looking forward they they uh will have a fast track out there and uh it'll be rocking so what'd you like about how Nick called Sunday's game 
say it again? What do you like about how Nick calls? Nah, I, I don't think it's about the calls. I think it's about the execution of the defense. That's what I liked. Do you spend any time wondering how much Isaiah can share with the other team what you guys do? Not much. The next-gen stats, uh, with the six sacks, Cardinals still have the lowest blitz rate in the league last week. Is that something that's sort of predetermined week to week, or do you figure out in the game, like, okay, we're either getting home, we need to blitz, or? Uh, yeah, kind of game by game. You know what I mean? How you think that you have to defend known pass or, you know, mix downs, things like that. But um, as the game goes on, you start to adjust some calls here or there. Sometimes you stick with the plan. Sometimes you don't you kind of go off script. But uh, I think the most important thing about, you know, about how Nick called it, that's why I said that is, is the players have to execute. And that's our job throughout the week to get them to execute. So um, the six sacks is a kind of a, uh, a culmination of rush and cover, cover and rush, guys doing their job at a high level. How, how's James feeling this week? With He's doing good. He's doing good. With Ertz coming back last week, you know, he had said many times he wanted to be playing at a high level. Did you, do you feel like physically he is back all the way? Yeah, 100%. Looks like the guy of old to me. Like I said, short, quick, and to the point um, for – all the players, um, and even even the coach, um, and we, you know, one of the questions asked to Jonathan Gannon was about home and the expectation there, and so uh, uh, Dan and and Vince uh, also kind of get into that same conversation of the home expectation. For the Cardinals. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigly Blast. Jonathan Gannon has expectations for his debut at State Farm Stadium. He wants the fans to be loud when the Cardinals are on defense and church-like quiet when the team is on offense. Unfortunately, Gannon's debut is likely going to be something of a rude awakening. Now, I'm not talking about the scoreboard because I think the Cardinals have a good shot of winning this game. I'm talking about the vibe in the arena. I'm talking about the optics, the amount of big blue offsetting the Cardinal red, and I am talking about the nauseating soundtrack of a split allegiant crowd cheering when the enemy gets a first down. Or, in a worst-case scenario, the Cardinals' offense has to revert to a silent count because they can't hear their quarterback at the line of scrimmage. Yes, that has happened before. It all has become a maddening, demoralizing trend at Cardinals games where season ticket holders are capitalizing on the robust secondary market in the Valley, a transient sports town full of infidels and people from somewhere else. And that raises a very interesting question entering Sunday's game. After all, you probably enjoyed the first impression of your new head coach. So what is he going to think of us come Monday morning? All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable. Find them online at chapmanbmw.com. Yeah, yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. I want it to be loud when we're on defense and quiet when we're on offense. So pass the word along. <laughs> there you go. It's been passed along, coach. <laughs> pass it on. Uh-huh. 
It has been passed along. You get you get passed along in the Bickley mm-hmm. blast. That's passing it along. Yeah, that is passing it along. Now we have seen that it's really truly the ultimate indignity for a football team to have to go to a silent count in their own building, and it has happened in Arizona more than a few times in recent vintage. And we, we don't have to sit here and get on soapboxes and tell people and excoriate fans for selling their tickets. But I will say this. Um, I, I think that Jonathan Gannon does have expectations because I think in the NFL, your first home game as a new regime, you automatically think it's going to be a big deal to people. Mm-hmm. Because your debut is a big deal. Yes. Why wouldn't your home debut not yes. be a big deal? But the people you're trying to impress that upon, your fan base... It's not that big a deal to them Mm. because they've been going to these games Mm -hmm. for years. For years. And it's all about a word that I keep coming back to, for the fans to be invested fully. Now, there is a crew of hardcore ride-or-die Arizona Cardinals fans. Is it as big as other fan bases? Probably not. But the word I'm going back to is belief. We talked about it with the Diamonds. We just talked about it with the the D-backs president, Derek Hall. They had two, uh, three enormous games against the Rockies. Enormous games. Mm-hmm. One of them on a holiday during the day. People did not show up because of what we des- described as this fan base does not have the belief that this is real mm-hmm. just yet. Yeah. For the Cardinal fans, it's the same. And when you get your teeth kicked in at home every week, your belief tends yeah. to tends to dwindle and then, a bit. And then the whole thing just kind of snowballs. And then it, it, it provides more incentive to unload your tickets. And then it creates an even worse kind of vibe the next game. And then it just kind of like keeps devolving. And I unfortunately, that is what has happened in recent years with the Cardinals and their home field advantage. You can look it up. The numbers are bad. Um, this, I, I would hope, I would hope that this there's for the Cardinal fans who do show up, and I do agree with you, the ride or die crew that go to Cardinal games, they always get mad at me whenever I bring up this topic. They should realize you are the people I am not talking about. Yeah. You are, you are the people who should be applauded because that's what you're doing. You're, you're supporting your team through thick and thin. Um, but I also understand that this is this is a fact of life now. It's people look at sports and people look at entertainment as a as what what can I get out of this? And and if I am not going to be entertained to a level that I find worth my money, then I am going to use these tickets to make money. Yeah. And and this is a market that's you, you, there's no shortage of people who want to buy your tickets. If the right team is coming to town. Yeah, the days of eating tickets are over. Oh, I mean, yeah. When the Cardinals moved to town in the late 80s, and I know this is a fact, as you know, me and my dad, my dad bought season tickets for like the first five or six years, and there were times where like, man, we don't feel like going today. But guess what? Nobody else feels like going either, and you weren't losing that much money. <laughs> now, oh, yeah. it's, now it's an investment, oh, and it, you're going to try oh, to yeah. recoup that. You're not going to eat those tickets at $250 a piece. It's so crazy because you know, where I came from, where you came from, it's it's it really honestly feels like a civic duty. There's no, you, you don't play those mental gymnastics. You do not go through your head, okay, miles, cost per gallon, how much gas am I going to spend? What time am I getting? You don't even begin. You just wake up and you go, we have to go. Yes, and again, to make this clear, I'm not blaming the fans for uh, this. No, you don't have to the, make the it clear. fan base franchise relationship is a partnership, but mm-hmm. it is f- almost fully incumbent on the franchise to engender the belief that the fan base needs. Yeah. It doesn't work the other way around. Right. 
Game teams don't win games because of the fans. Yeah. Now they can make it a lot more difficult, but they're not winning games. So my hope is this Cardinals defense takes the field on Sunday, and regardless of what it sounds like, just causes all sorts of mayhem and chaos, in a good way, violence, right? And and, and that and that feeds the crowd, and then that creates a vibe, and now people want to go because it's it's something, it's something cool. And, and that's that's also, I think, part of the issue here. That we've had too many soft football teams in recent past getting rolled in their own building. Mm-hmm. And who wants to get behind that? It's hard. Uh, Jonathan Gannon also spoke yesterday. Not only one home game to start, but back-to-back home games against NFC East opponents and the Giants and then the Cowboys coming in in week three how that could potentially help with things. Yeah, it does. That's a good question, Bo. That's what we just, it was nice, you know, going through a normal, we're at the start of the week here, kind of middle of the week, but I think that we tweaked a couple things going into this week. I think it'll help our players. Um, That's up to me to make sure that we're getting our guys ready to go mentally, physically, emotionally, like how you set up the day, all those things, and making sure that we're, every minute that we're in the building, we're getting out of it what we need to get out of it. So I feel really good about this week. Yeah, uh, and then move on to Dallas next week, which could be. <laughs> yeah, it's a whole no. different, maybe a yes. whole different animal. Listen, this is again, this is the uh, to me, this is the gr- uh, last great chance to win a game before things get real kind of rough and turbulent. Don't want to be, you don't want to be winless going in, into November, and if you don't win tomorrow, there's a good chance of it. All the talk of tanking. November is two months away. <laughs> I know. <laughs> No. Well, uh, again, you're taking a look at, I mean, in succession, the Cowboys defense, the 49ers defense. Yeah, as we, as we pointed out, 0-2 is something. But then when that's followed up by two blowout losses, the yeah. 0-4 feels a lot heavier. That's true. Mm-hmm. But looking around the league, and we'll get more into the, the Week 2 schedule tomorrow on the show. There's some other teams, though, that have got to be gripping a little bit. Oh, you yeah. know those stats that come out at the beginning of every year? Mm-hmm. You start 0-2. The defending Super Bowl champions could be in danger of being 0-2. The Buffalo Bills could be in danger of being 0-2. The Cincinnati Bengals yes. could be in danger of going 0-2. Yes. Yeah, there's it's that's the fascinating thing. If you lose your first game and you're a team with expectations, week two is a yeah. minefield. Chargers are in that category yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of interesting games on the schedule this week. Yeah, they they have to show out. There, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You know the the home uh, field advantage for the Cardinals hasn't been one at all in uh, in oh, quite some time, and so that they they got to do what they can to get that back. Um, and then uh, next, we'll go ahead and talk about just the uh, you know it was talked about earlier um, in the week. And we're going back to it, just the disrespect that the Cardinals are getting. And it's only after week one, you know, I think, uh, I feel like a lot of it is, you know, um, from everything that's happened up until week one, not just week one, but um, Dan and Vince uh, talk about that as as well. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bigly Blast, 
Normally, I laugh at those who are constantly fueled by perceived disrespect. And you know who I'm talking about. The athletes who are obsessed with the opinions of outsiders. The lions who are focused on the bleeding of sheep. But I'll tell you this much, when it comes to the 2023 Arizona Cardinals, the disrespect is real. Because if you pay attention to the power rankings, which I normally don't, you will see the Cardinals still anchored at the bottom of the NFL. And the comments are just as snarky as ever, like this one from Yahoo Sports. Quote, Arizona somehow will manage to be 0-3 after this weekend. Nothing more needs to be said. End quote. Really? That is putting the diss in dismissive. For most of the reactions, you'd assume the Cardinals were blown out in week one, and they most assuredly were not. In fact, their road loss in front of a hostile commander's crowd was the very definition of a moral victory. But it seems as if the Cardinals are a team stuck inside a narrative, a team that is tanking, and a franchise that has generated far too many off-the-field headlines, a team that has replaced the commanders as the most dysfunctional functional franchise in the NFL. So this weekend is a great opportunity to punch the Giants and a narrative in the face. All right, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW. Make luxury attainable. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. I mean, you bring up such a great point. I mean, the the comment from Yahoo Sports, somehow they'll be 0-3 after this weekend. I mean, that's a diss, but it's also disinterested. That's somebody who was in charge of, of, of making those comments about these games. Yeah. That did not pay one second Clearly. of thought to the, the Washington-Arizona game Clearly. last week. Clearly. And didn't go back and watch it on replay either. Mm-hmm. Um, so if if they do punch the Giants and the narrative in the face, and we're coming here on Monday morning and we're talking about a Cardinals win— I don't think nationally it changes that much. Mm -hmm. I think the narrative then shifts to how bad are the Giants? That's, yes, that's what I yes. think. Yeah, yeah, no, because I think it's you're right. Another indirect yes. way right. to diss the right. Arizona that's Cardinals. That's exactly right. But uh, but again, I think most normal people, most logical, reasonable people, would have been impressed by what the Cardinals did last Sunday. And All I think things considered, people that paid attention were. Yeah, and they should have been. I mean, that really was. And I'm not a moral or morale victory kind of guy at all. But, but there are times when that phrase actually applies and resonates, and this is one of them. And, and I think it probably applies to this weekend, too. I, I think it's a great opportunity for the Cardinals to win a game. I think it's probably the last realistic W in their grasp for quite some time, which is why I think there's a level of importance to winning this game. But I'm not sure you have to win to, to, to please the crowd. That's how low the bar has fallen. Mm-hmm. And, and across the league, you talk about a narrative. You've got a head coach who just is continuing, continuing to get hammered by the, by the Philadelphia fan base and the media. You've got a GM who, who raised his hand to take the blame for the tampering with Jonathan Gannon, costing the team draft capital. And then you've got the owner who's at the center of an alleged burner phone controversy. You throw it all together, and that's what people are looking at at this football franchise. They're not looking at renewal. They're, they're still focusing on dysfunction. Mm-hmm. And what you saw in week one was more about renewal. And now if you can get the quarterback and the offense to kind of take a couple steps forward, you've got, a, you've got a game you might win. And if you win this game, like you said, oh, oh are they going to be feasting on the Giants? Oh, my goodness. It's going to be ugly mm -hmm. in, in New York if, the, if that happens. For yeah, them. And, I, and I think it'd be, it, would be a, it would be a good moment for Jonathan Gannon to kind of – because people on the East Coast, they're aware of what the Philly media does. And, they're, I mean, it, it's, this is a thing out there. And it's it's 
I'm just glad the Eagles won last night because the <laughs> criticism of Gannon this morning would yeah. have been just awful. Listen, and, and I said this earlier in the show, for those who watched the game, the first quarter was not even over, and the Eagles fans were booing their own offense. Mm-hmm. Now, you might go, that's good. They've got expectations. They're demanding. A little over the top. Fire Brian Johnson was trending nationally. In his second game as in the his second game. So, so this, that, it gives you context about Jonathan Gannon. Doesn't it? Yeah. And what he came from? Yeah. Yes, yes it does. People, That's a- consider therapy. <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, head coach Brian Dable of the uh, Giants, uh, he commented on the Cardinals heading into this week's week two matchup. Really good coach. I think they got a fast defense. Uh, as you said, they got after the passer. Uh, they rally to the ball and, you know, Buddha is, is one of the best safeties in the league. And then, then you look on the offensive side of the ball, like you said, with Ertz or Hollywood Brown, who can really fly. Uh, they present a lot of different challenges, uh, I'd say, for both units. Yeah, I think there's interesting challenges within the Cardinals, too. Obviously, the, the challenge internally has to be the offense getting better, mm-hmm. becoming more productive, putting points on the board when they've got opportunities to do it, protecting the ball better. But I don't expect there to be these vast changes that are being talked about and advertised. So that that flips the, the, the subject of pressure to the defense. They were the unit that came out and set a standard in week one. It's only one week. I get it. But they already proved what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. The pressure then becomes on it falls on them to to duplicate that performance because that's really the only way in my opinion until I see differently the Cardinals have opportunities to win games this year yeah is to have 11 guys on the defensive side of the ball playing with their hair on fire flying around yeah. with no regard for their body right because because a, a couple things about that that makes fans proud the effort the heart the toughness these things matter uh, to football fans when it comes to their football teams I know because it matters to me and, and that's something you can rally around. You can rally around the football team that doesn't win but but punches everybody in the face. And again, I always draw last year's Lions as an example. Last year's Lions weren't a bad team, but they were celebrated for their competitiveness given where they had been as a franchise in, in previous years. They they can do this, and, and I think that that is – and it shows belief in – it shows two things. It shows the Cardinals are indeed selecting – the right kind of football players. How many times with the previous general manager would he talk about how you can make mistake, you can't make mistakes on a player's heart or a player's mind, and and he acted like he knew, and yet he never got the kind of players he claimed to be seeking. So if you get the, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. He would talk it, but he but he wouldn't know how to get them or where to find them or what they look like. So if you've assembled that kind of team this year, it proves to you, A, you're getting the type of player you claim to be looking for, which means your talent evaluation skills are good, and B, it means they really like the head coach and his message. And, and that, that can't be underestimated. If, if, you wanna, if you want a gushing uh, look at Jonathan Gannon, listen to what Mark Schlereth said about him yesterday on this program. Mm-hmm. Now, Mark's got to know Jonathan a little bit. You know, and, and Mark's done some Eagles games last year. He's done Cardinals games this year. They've had many conversations, and Mark doesn't BS. You know that. And the, the leadership stuff that Jonathan Gannon has impresses Mark Schlereth. So I think that all these things have to be looked at, and they have to be looked at in the proper context. This is not a team stuck inside a narrative right now. No. At least not here locally. Yeah, <laughs> right. Nationally, there's still a lot of that laziness going on.
Yeah. Um, like I said before, a lot of you know what's being said about the Cardinals, I feel like has been self-inflicted. Um, the defense has been fantastic. Um, when I say fantastic, they've been pretty good. Um, but offense, they they need to uh, step it up. Uh, Wolf and Luke, uh, give a couple of keys to the game uh, that's happening Sunday. Uh, Cardinals against the Giants. Cardinals at home, home opener. Some keys to the game and what they feel like needs to happen for the Cardinals to come out um, with a win. Injury news that I don't love. We'll get into that after uh, Fulcrum Football, though, Wolf, because we're always pressed for time in this segment. Fulcrum Football, it's simple. Giants, Cardinals, any player is eligible for us to draft right here, preferably not the quarterbacks. That's frowned upon. But it's not the best players necessarily. It's the players who are most likely to swing Sunday's game. Are you ready? Yes. Yeah, I'm going to do the injury oh, news. The coin flip, you win. Okay. Oh, well, because I feel like the injury news could have an impact on Fulcrum Ooh, football. That is, well, there is that. All right, right fine. There. So, James Conner, full participant at practice today. Yes! Buda Baker, limited. What? <laughs> I should have done that in the other order. <laughs> Hamstring issue for Buda. Limited. Limited. And questionable for the game. Questionable for the game. Buda. Can I talk to you for a minute right here? Here, I'll just get you all these real quick. LJ Collier, Josh Woods out for this weekend. What? Buda Baker, Calvin Beach, and Lecky Fotu. LJ all... Collier's out? Yeah, didn't practice all week because of biceps. Oh, no. Um, oh, no. Buda, Beecham, and Fotu all questionable. James Conner does not have an injury designation. So you can go ahead and pencil James Conner in. Oh, no. You won the. I thought the LJ Collier was just. Oh no. Um. Okay. Thank you for that, Luke. Uh, Darren Waller doesn't have a game, uh, an injury designation either, so I'm assuming he's playing. Andrew Thomas is questionable for the Giants. All right. Now that we have all the information, it's almost time for break. Are you ready to make your pick? Yeah. You just bummed me out. Okay. Here we go. Um. My first fulcrum football player for week two against the New York Giants for the Arizona Cardinals is James Conner. Got to be James Conner right now. Once again, I think the Arizona Cardinals have some remorse, a little bit of regret in regard to not attacking with James Conner a little bit more north-south and running the ball. I could be wrong on that. For me, I'd like to see them do it with purpose against the Giants, who are number 27 in rushing yards per game allowed and number 31 in rushing yards per play allowed. They were bad last year, Ron Wolfley reporting, in terms of stopping the run. And it's not like they were great in week one against the Dallas Cowboys either. It's not like they were horrific, but they weren't great. James Conner in that offensive line coming off the ball, cram it. James Conner's my first fulcrum football player. All right, well, if we're going to do that, I don't care. I'll take Buda Baker. Get your popcorn ready. Well, Buda will play. I mean, he always does. That's, yeah, <laughs> guy played through a high ankle sprain last year. How many games did he miss? Not any. Busted shoulder all, and he kept playing. That's impossible. That no, is impossible. He didn't miss it. So he is questionable. 
Today was the first day it's been an issue. He didn't show up on the injury report at all Wednesday or Thursday. He is limited at practice today, and he's questionable for the game. I don't care. I'll take Buddha with my first pick. Okay, my second fulcrum football player is going to be Lucky Foto. <laughs> yeah, Lucky Foto. Nose tackle for the Arizona Cardinals. They're playing an awful lot of solid. This is something that J.G. and Nick Rollis, they're very, very familiar with this. The Philadelphia Eagles did it so much last year. This is what they're going to do, especially against 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three wide receivers. You're going to cover the three interior offensive linemen. You're going to have two edge guys, and then you're going to have Kaiser White in the middle. Lucky Foto is the start of it all. When you talk about stopping Saquon Barkley, when you talk about gap integrity, we talk about being physical at the point of attack and being more physical than the New York Giants offensive line in stuffing Saquon Barkley. It starts with Lucky Foto. He's my second Fulcrum football player. All right. Well, you and I are, are in a lot of agreement on how this game will most likely play out or at least what each team is trying to do. So everything you just said right there, I think justifies my pick of Saquon Barkley. Carry on. Um, I don't think I have to explain why Saquon Barkley can, can swing this game. He's either going to have a really good game and the Cardinals are in a lot of trouble, or they're going to find a way to slow him down, whether that is building a lead and, and not, allowing, not allowing the Giants to run as much as they want. Maybe they can just bottle him up. I mean, he's tough to bottle up. But if they if they slow Saquon Barkley down and make Daniel Jones beat them, I think the Cardinals win. If not, they probably lose. So with that in mind, Saquon Barkley is definitely my second pick. Okay, that is a good one right there. I had to scratch one off my list. Good. Okay, so my third fulcrum football player, I'm going to mix it up a little bit here. I'm going to go Dexter Lawrence a second. <laughs> oh, boy, Dexter Lawrence a second. By the pricking of my thumb, something wicked this way comes. Dexter Lawrence is a Pro Bowl caliber nose tackle. And the key, everything I just said about Lecky Foto and how important that's going to be, you could say about Dexter Lawrence the second and stopping James Conner. This is at a premium for the New York Giants because they were not good last year. They weren't great last week. They have to, at some point in time, if they're going to become a good rush defense, and if, in fact, the New York Giants are going to get back to the postseason, it's going to be because that front seven bones up and gets a lot better in terms of stopping the run. And that starts with Dexter Lawrence the second, And he's my third fulcrum football player all right so far you have james connor lecky foto and dexter lawrence the second i have buddha baker saquon barkley and you can give me kaiser white oh, mama! i have a feeling i'm going to be picking kaiser white a lot this season that's a Wolf. good one right there in the heart of the defense he really did set the tone in that game against washington we talked to victor dimukeji earlier about it about the uh the the hit out of bounds and he was like look he didn't mean anything by the hit out of bounds. That's just the way he plays and it happened to be out of bounds, but it was a tone setter for the Cardinals. And, uh, and, and Victor even acknowledged that. So Kaiser White for sure. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go with my fourth fulcrum football player, DJ Humphreys. I like big butts and I cannot lie. DJ! 
DJ Humphreys <laughs> did not have his best game last week, and I think DJ Humphreys would be the first guy to tell you that. They're going to need the dog that is DJ Humphreys. We need more dogs. We need more dogs. But he's one of them. We're going to need him to play up to his ability and his talent level to set the tone for everybody else on that offensive line. Because this one, brothers, is going to be bloody knuckles. Paint the face and bloody up the knuckles. This one's going to be nasty. And he's my fourth Falcon football player. All right, you've left me with very little time, but I don't need time to pick Dennis Gardeck. Skardek just gets it done. Just gets it done. And if he gets it done again this week, that could be a tough couple hours for Daniel Jones. All right, that was Fulcrum football. Um I you know, they they're talking about guys that can swing the game, but Josh Dobbs needs to be the a guy that does swing the game. Not just can, but that 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 does. That that's um where i'm going um but yeah there there we go there you have it that's everything um arizona cardinals everything on the show uh hopefully you guys have a uh, a good weekend um and uh, i gotta go to bed because it's uh 11 o'clock and i gotta get up in about five hours less than five hours um might as well be four hours um but anyway uh, feel free to email me if you want to get involved with the show and uh, email me if you can if you want to um, I encourage it uh, whatever you have uh, questions comments concerns or anything you want to add uh, feel free to email me big sky sports talk at gmail.com you can shoot me direct messages on uh, Facebook and Instagram at big sky sports talk and then uh, we also have a TikTok and YouTube at Big Sky Sports Talk as well. So all four pages, uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, all of it is at Big Sky Sports Talk. And then the email once again is Big Sky Sports Talk at gmail.com. Um, plenty of places to listen to the show. Uh, we have uh, um, Spotify, Apple, Google, Audible, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, um plenty of uh options uh so find one and and listen and if you want to really help me out listen on multiple platforms that'd be great and then if you really really want to help me out uh hit the uh, subscribe button and uh that bell notification so you don't miss out on when a show is up and available for you to listen to um, share it. Share it on social media. Tell your friends, your family, your neighbors, and enemies about about each show, each episode, about the content that we post. Uh, like, follow, comment, and share on all of that. that though, those are the key things to uh, help help me out, help grow the show, and uh, um, keep on growing the Big Sky Army. That That's that's the uh, ultimate go, goal. Um, I appreciate you guys listening as always, and I will uh, talk to you on Monday. Thanks. Well, unfortunately, the Diamondbacks dropped the series and dropped the last game against the Mets, and it wasn't even close. 11-1. to a 10-run difference. Um, 
Merrill Kelly got the loss. He was just absolutely shelled. Five innings, uh, six hits given up, seven earned runs with those six hits, four walks. He did have seven strikeouts, but at that point, it really doesn't even matter. He has a 3.45 ERA, Mantiply went in an inning, uh, actually uh, uh, one and two-thirds of an inning. He walked two, um, but uh, zero hits, zero runs, uh, 5.40 ERA. McGuff, two-thirds of an inning, um, gave up four hits, three earned runs, and only one strikeout, 4.73 ERA for McGuff. And then... um, Sebi, who uh, has um, been with the Diamondbacks for a little bit now, a couple couple games, couple weeks, they didn't want to go deeper into their bullpen. He pitched two thirds of an inning and zeros across the board. Has a zero point zero zero ERA. Um, this this kid is uh, pretty interesting. We have Sal Frank that has a zero point zero zero ERA. Sebi, he's uh, you know had a couple of hits, no home runs or anything like that, but playing pretty well, earning you know earning himself a spot, and and, and then does better than everybody else that pitched, and he's not a pitcher, <laughs> so uh, very interesting uh, there. Corbin Carroll uh, went one for four. Uh, Ketel Marte over two, uh, Jake McCarthy one for one, Tommy Pham one for two, Jordan Lawler over one, Christian Walker over three, Jace Peterson over one, Alec Thomas over four, Lourdes Guerrero Jr. as a DH over three, uh, Sevi uh, over one, Moreno over three, Rivera one for three. And Perdomo over three. I mean, you only score one run, you're expecting a lot of overs. And it was just a uh, Jake McCarthy double that scored Carroll. Um, Merrill Kelly with the loss for the Diamondbacks. And they uh, go one run and four hits in an error. The Mets with 11 runs, 10 hits, no errors for the Mets. Um, Mets win series three to one. And uh, take the last game 11 to 1, a 10 run difference. Here is how the god awful game went. With Kodai Senga on the mound, Senga has chosen the alternate blue tops for the Mets with Mets in orange script. Written across the chest, the white pants. Fly ball out to center field, and Nimmo got a late start in. Now comes charging, and he's there to retire Carroll one out. And the 2-2 pitch on the way. In there, strike three called. He got him with a fastball at 98. As this one is lined into left field, that'll be a base hit. What a nice adjustment right there from Tommy Pham. 2-2 coming. Fastball. Oh, my goodness, Bill Miller. Christian can't believe it, and you don't blame him. Where was that pitch? Merrill Kelly on the mound, 11 and 6 in 26 starts. Hey. Called strike three. There you go. There you go. Got the sinker in there. It snuck back over the corner. Merrill Kelly, two batters and two strikeouts. Got him with the cutter that time. One, two. This is launched left field. Fan near the line. Tommy's got it. Tommy Fan. 
and takes one away from Pete Alonso. Alec Thomas leads off the second. Behind to the count right away, 0 and 2. And Thomas goes down quickly on the fourth ball. Three strikeouts for Sega, one down in the second. One two coming from Sega. And Goriel strikes out of the fourth ball. Sega's got it working today. Four strikeouts through the first six batters. And it's down number one ahead of Jeff McNeil. Another pop-up. Gabby will give it a look. Near the on-deck circle. Moreno has got it. And there's two outs in the second. Well, this is a great matchup of two of the best young catchers in the National League. Yes, he went. Roberto Ortiz rings him up. Three strikeouts for Merrill Kelly. Yeah, what has not been good news for the Diamondbacks is that Kodai Senga forkball has been on. One-two pitch. Swing and a tip into the mid. He struck out another. Forkball gets Emmanuel Rivera. Swing and a miss. Got him with the off-speed down and away. The forkball has another victim. Corbin Carroll strikes out. And his control has suddenly abandoned him. Here comes Brent Strom. He's walked the first three, the seven, eight, nine hitters to start the third. And here's Brandon Nimmo. So a chance to break this scoreless tie, bottom of the third inning. And Nimmo rips it down the right field line. That is a base hit. Vogelback scores. Vientos right behind him. He scores. Bases loaded, nobody out. Brandon Nimmo rips one down the right field line to give the Mets a 2-0 lead. Marte looks everybody back and gets the out. Well, that worked out almost as well as he could have liked. Right at Perdomo, and that's going to work out beautifully as well. Geraldo knocks it down, and again, nobody can move up. Shattered the bat. Merrill Kelly is going to live to tell the tale, and the Mets have to settle for two as Merrill strands two. Mascatel Marte leads off the fourth against Kodai Singa. 2-2 pitch is caught on and foul tipped into the minute, squeezed by Alvarez. A fork ball produces another strikeout. Sanga's pitch. Swing and a miss. Got him with a high fastball. Eight strikeouts. Everybody loves Kodai Sanga today. Jeff McNeil starts off the fourth against Merrill Kelly. 1-2 to McNeil. That pitch called strike three on the top corner. And McNeil is down on strikes. And Merrill makes very short work of Alvarez with that changeup. That's five strikeouts for Kelly. Kodai Senga has struck out two Diamondbacks in each of the frames so far. Swung on and missed strike three. Got him with a fork ball. Strikeout number nine for Senga. Clock winding down. The pitch swung on and missed strike three. And that retires the side. That is ten strikeouts for Senga. So Nimmo's got a second hit of the game. A one-out single here in the fifth inning. So Francisco draws the walk. And so now with two men aboard, Pete Alonso will be the better. And he rips one down the left field line. That's going to go into the corner. Nimmo is in to score. It's an RBI double for Pete Alonso. His 109th run batted in. And it's 3-0 New York. D.J. Stewart, left hand. And better. And Stewart hits one through the hole, a base hit. That'll bring in Lindor. Alonzo being waved around. The throw by Carroll to the plate on a hop. Not in time. Down to second goes Stewart. It's 5 nothing New York. Here is Jeff McNeil, 0 for 2. Swinging a high fly ball. Well hit to right field. Carroll going back at the track, at the fence. He jumps. It's gone. Jeff McNeil with a two-run homer, his ninth home run of the year. The Mets are leading by a score of seven to nothing. There's a 2-2 is swung on and missed, and Alvarez down on strikes. The 1-2 pitch, swing and a miss. And Vogelbach is down on strikes, and the inning is over. But the Diamondbacks, they are in a world of trouble as New York, they score five runs in the fifth inning. As Emmanuel Rivera leads off the top of the sixth against Kodai Senga. 
Rivera slams it into left, and there's their second base hit. And the Diamondbacks have their first base runner since two outs at the top of the first inning. The one-two hit in the air to straightaway center. Brandon Nimmo under it and makes the catch for the first out. Back to first goes Rivera. 3-1 coming. And it's grounded on the right side. Big hop for McNeil to go to first with it and get the out on Carroll as Rivera moves up to second. Back to back walks by Senga, his first two walks of the day. They are loaded. Bases full of diamond backs for Christian Walker. And if they want to get into this game again, it's right now. Fastball hit high in the air, deep to center. It's playable though. Nimmo back, makes the one hand catch, and that retires the side. That will be it for Senga, I'm sure. Six shutout inning. The diamond backs leave them loaded. Alonzo down at second with two outs. Alvarez struck out all three times he faced Merrill Kelly. That's driven out to left field by Alvarez headed toward the wall and it's one hop to the fence. Alonzo in to score. Alvarez slides in safely at second with an RBI double. 53rd run batted in for Alvarez. It's 8-0 New York. And Corbin Carroll in the hit column here at City Field. A two-on single. A chance for Jake McCarthy. That's a fair ball down the line for Jake Corbin Carroll's on the run. They're going to send him around third. McCarthy stops at second and the Diamondbacks are on the board An RBI double for Jake McCarthy. That's just what they're looking for Gonzo. We'll get another pinch hitter off the bench for Buck Showalter as Jonathan Otto Ooze comes up and our Ooze clocks one to deep right field back goes McCarthy at the wall and it's out of here. Jonathan Arauz with a three-run homer. Third home run of the season for Arauz. And he has the icing on the cake. 11 to 1 New York. Diamondbacks down to their last out. Here's Zavala. A 1-1 to Zavala. Hit on the ground to short. Arauz up with it. Throws to first in time. Put it in the books. The New York Mets have put a hurting on the Arizona Diamondbacks. They take three out of four. A hurting is a understatement to me. Um, yeah, that that one was was absolutely rough and rough to watch, rough to hear. Uh, the whole the whole bit. Gosh. Um, Sorry. Having some issues with my computer. But anyway, sorry. Um, issues with the computer. Uh, in the midst of a critical three-game series against the Cubs, they, it, it's, they have to take the series. A sweep is... Just as necessary as anything else right now um, for for the Diamondbacks if they want to try to get it back into that third wild card spot because one of the teams that are ahead of them is these Cubs so they they have to do it. Um, with that, we'll go ahead and get into the meat of our uh, show and uh, we'll do some Cardinals up next and just kind of talk about the Cardinals, um, listen to what some of the guys have to say, and then uh, preview the, the game. And that's all up next on Big Sky Sports Talk. 